In the early to mid-1800s, archaeologist Austin Henry Laird set out to find Nineveh, the ancient city that Jonah had once done his best to avoid. Laird succeeded, discovering the ruins in what is now northern Iraq. In Nineveh, in 1849, he unearthed one of the greatest archaeological finds of his generation, if not the century, the Library of Ashurbanipal, which contained a vast collection of texts that had been gathered by Ashurbanipal, an Assyrian king, sometime around 600 BC, roughly speaking. Among the finds were the famous Epic of Gilgamesh, and also the Enuma Elise, the latter, well over 3,000 years old, and written in the cuneiform language of the ancient Babylonians, is the oldest creation story currently known. Its seven-tablet account of origins begins with the words, Enuma Elise, when on high. Good morrow, everybody. My name is Ben Laboot, and welcome to the season four premiere of Stories of Symmetry, a podcast and blog dedicated to revealing beauty and purpose through another look at faith, the sacred, and the stories that unite us all. We begin this season by looking at beginnings and how the beginning has been recorded by different religions and, most importantly, why the Judeo-Christian account of Genesis is similar but indeed vastly distinct from its many counterparts. Therefore, and without further ado, let's get started. Enuma Elise, the Babylonian story of creation, begins, as do many others, with the great primordial sea, a limitless, boundless saltwater ocean characterized by chaos. In that primeval existence, or should I say, Enuma Elise, when on high. There were initially two deities, both were gods of chaos, but the greater of the two was the goddess Tiamat. Other gods also came into being, the boldest of them being Marduk, who told the others that he would go up against Tiamat if, upon her defeat, the others would name him the chief deity. The others agreed. Marduk went up against Tiamat, the goddess of chaos, and struck her down with a spear. He then rent her body in two, and used her top half to form the great dome of the sky, in which he placed the sun, moon, stars, and other heavenly bodies for the regulation of time, and with her lower half, he created the disk of the earth. On the land, he placed great creatures, and in the oceans, he placed the monsters of the deep. He continued to order and fill the sky, earth, and netherworld. Finally, so that the gods themselves would not have to labor, Marduk created servants, human beings. When the Israelites designed to explain creation and its genesis, humankind and its position therein, and how their one god fit into it all, they too recited a story. Though younger than Enuma Elise, it is still many thousands of years old. Yet, unlike Enuma Elise, the Israelite story has been continuously told since its inception. It is found in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and it begins, Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim va'et ha'aretz. 
At the beginning of God's creating of the heavens and the earth, when the earth was wild and waste, darkness over the face of ocean, rushing spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, that it was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was setting, there was dawning, one day. God said, let there be a dome amid the waters, and let it separate waters from waters. God made the dome, and it separated the waters that were below the dome from the waters that were above the dome. It was so. God called the dome heaven. There was setting, there was dawning, second day. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered to one place, and let the dry land be seen. It was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gatherings of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth sprout forth with sprouting growth, plants that seed forth seeds, fruit trees that yield fruit after their kind, and in which is their seed upon the earth. It was so. The earth brought forth sprouting growth, plants that seed forth seeds after their kind, trees that yield fruit and which is their seed after their kind. God saw that it was good. There was setting, there was dawning, third day. God said, let there be lights in the dome of the heavens to separate the day from the night, that they may be for signs to set times for days and years. And let them be for lights in the dome of the heavens, to provide light upon the earth. It was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light for ruling the day, and the smaller light for ruling the night, and the stars. God placed them in the dome of the heavens, to provide light upon the earth, to rule the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was setting... There was dawning, fourth day. God said, Let the waters swarm with a swarm of living beings, and the fowl fly above the earth across the dome of the heavens. God created the great sea serpents and all living beings that crawl about, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and all winged fowl after their kind. God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Bear fruit, and be many, and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl be many on earth. There was setting, there was dawning, fifth day. God said, Let the earth bring forth living beings after their kind, herd animals, crawling things, and the wildlife of the earth after their kind. It was so. God made the wildlife of the earth after their kind, and the herd animals after their kind, and the crawling things of the soil after their kind. God saw that it was good, God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the heavens, animals, all the earth, all the crawling things that crawl about upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God did he create them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Bear fruit and be many, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
the fowl of the heavens, and all living things that crawl about upon the earth. God said, Here I give you all plants that bear seeds that are upon the face of the earth, and all trees in which there is tree fruit that bear seeds. For you they shall be, for eating, and also for all the living things of the earth, for all the fowl of the heavens, for all that crawls upon the earth in which there is living being, all green plants for eating. It was so. Now God saw all that he had made, and here it was exceedingly good. There was setting, there was dawning, the sixth day. Thus were finished the heavens and the earth with all of their array. God had finished on the seventh day his work that he had made. And then he ceased on the seventh day from all his work that he had made. God gave the seventh day his blessing, and he hallowed it. For on it he ceased from all his work that, by creating, God had made. These are the beginnings of the heavens and the earth. They are being created. The ancient Israelites who recorded that tale were products of their time, as we all are. Their understanding of the fledgling cosmos was as an infinite, formless yet chaotic sea, wild and waste, darkness over the face of ocean. The Babylonians who wrote Enuma Elise had the same notion in their minds, as did many who came before and after them. If, before creation began, there were only chaos, then the story of creation must be one of bringing order to that turbulence. And from ancient cultures down to our current one, chaos has been represented by darkness and order by light. Therefore, according to the Israelites, the first thing God did was bring organization to the bedlam. God said, let there be light. Thus, the first act of creation was God's commanding the chaos to give way. Order was brought to chaos, and that was the first day. Now, being products of their time, the Israelites, as well as their Babylonian counterparts, believed that the region of structure within the Great Primordial Sea was an egg. It was divided into top and bottom by the earth. Above the earth there was a great dome that kept out the primordial sea. The space between the earth and the dome, a vast expansive region, was called the heavens. The sun, moon, stars, and other heavenly bodies were within the great dome, and they had one primary purpose, to regulate time. That is, the days, months, seasons, years, and other orders of time. They had a second, less important purpose, to provide light. But remember, God created light before the dome and the sun and the moon therein. The ancients believed that even without the sun, there would still be light. The earth itself was a flat disk surrounded on all sides by a freshwater ocean, which, theoretically, if one traversed far enough, would come to the very edge of the egg that kept out the infinite saltwater sea of chaos. Finally, the bottom half of the egg was the netherworld, which the Israelites called Sheol. This model of the egg, the dome of the heavens, 
the disk of the earth, and the dome of the netherworld, all surrounded by the great primordial sea, was common to both Babylonians and Israelites, as well as to other Mesopotamian civilizations. So what is the difference, then, between the two tales? And why on earth would we bother to continue propagating a narrative that is, at least scientifically speaking, complete nonsense? And the answer is because of the details. In Enuma Elise, order came to chaos through warring gods. Marduk and Tiamat went head to head, duked it out, and Marduk, through his superior tactics, won. He then used the body of his slain enemy to create the scaffolding of his refuge from the pandemonium, doing so only because he found the tumult disagreeable. In Genesis, the same general outcome is accomplished very differently. God, and there is only one, brought order to chaos by commanding that the chaos give way. God then created the dome of the heavens and all the contents of the egg by speaking them into existence. This God, the Israelites' God, is authoritative. God is in control and can create existence with only words. Note the differences. In Enuma Elise, there were multiple gods. They were pitted against each other, and the outcome was uncertain. The gods, for as many as there were, could not make the chaos give way through will alone. They sent forth a champion and held their breaths in the hope that their man was strong enough. And when Marduk outwitted his foe and emerged victorious, he had to construct a refuge from the chaos, and he somewhat vengefully used the remains of Tiamat to do so. In Genesis, on the other hand, God spoke and things happened. In either creation story, once the earth and the dome of the heavens are created, they were subsequently filled with things. The sun and its friends were placed in the heavens. The earth and its surrounding waters were filled with plants, birds, fish, animals, creepy crawlies, and all the other living things, each one being created according to its kind. And as listeners, throughout this whole orchestration, we are wondering, what about us? This is the pivotal question. How were we created? And did that creation perhaps come with a purpose? This, again, is an important difference between the Israelite creation story and all the others, Enuma Elise included. Let's consider the Babylonian text first. In Enuma Elise, after Marduk had killed Tiamat, the ruler of the annoying chaos which he could not stand, and used her body to create a refuge from the primordial sea, and after he had filled it with many fine things. Then, in the words of Dr. Seuss, he got an idea, an awful idea, a wonderful, awful idea. Marduk thought, why should I and the other gods labor for our needs when we can create creatures to serve us? So Marduk created humankind, and it had one purpose, to work so that the gods could play. Now let us juxtapose the Israelite version. In Genesis, after God had spoken order into existence, followed by the inhabitable portion of the universe, followed by all the things therein which he declared to be good, God created people, men and women, 
and God told them their purpose. God said that humankind was to make this place our home. Explore it, venture forth into it, and wherever we go, subdue it. That is, bring order to the chaos. Thus we were created in the image of God, as bringers of light to darkness, as bringers of order to chaos, as bringers of hope to turmoil. In that vein, Jesus would one day say that we are to be salt and light. So Marduk created humankind to serve him and his order, and to do the work that they found too travailing and unpleasant. Because of this, the Babylonians used sacrifices as a bartering tool. They could threaten to withhold food from the gods unless those gods answered their prayers and did something in return for the person making the sacrifice. Similarly, since bigger sacrifices were more helpful to the gods, if one gave generously to the gods, then there was a chance that the gods might favor that person and position him or her to have more to give. Of course, when the giving stops, so too does the favor. The Israelite God, on the other hand, created humankind for reasons that are not very clear. God instructs them to continue the work of bringing reason to madness. But God could just as easily have spoken a word. It seems that God does not need us, but perhaps thinks it might be enjoyable for us to share in his work. Furthermore, because God does not need us, the relationship is different. We cannot barter with God, because we have nothing that God needs. The Almighty One does not need our sacrifices, therefore they are not for God, but for us. And threatening to withhold sacrifice will not affect God. God will never break down and come to us in hunger, needing our crops and livestock. So there is a difference, then, a profound difference, in the understanding of God, between the Israelites and their contemporaries. The Israelite account of creation, though it may in many ways be similar to those of other religions, is altogether disparate. There is but one God, and that God has the ultimate authority over the universe and all the many things therein including the great, indomitable, primordial sea. Even that, God can tame with a word. The heavens and earth and all their fullness were created deliberately. They were not accidental or concomitant to a messy creation process. They were intentional and purposive. Humankind was created, not subservient to, but in the image or likeness of God. We were designed to share in the divine labor for our own benefit and enjoyment, not because God could not do it without us or is otherwise lazy. Therefore, as God brought order to chaos, thus we are commanded to do the same. One might phrase this as leaving the world better than we found it. We can see that God did not create us as servants, because we are commanded to take one day off each week. Bondservants do not get days off, but we do, because our labors are not for God, they are for us. Finally, I feel that I would be remiss if I did not say that the value in the Israelite creation story, and in its comparison to other creation stories like Enuma Elise, is in its 
tone, and intention. What it fundamentally says about God, humankind, the rest of creation, and the relationship between them all. The scientific or historical validity of the story is non-issue, because there is little to none, as is obvious to us today, as most scholars believe, it was to the ancients as well. The worth of this story is in its message. In the ancient Mesopotamian world, when they were told that the universe was made in conflict and that humankind was created as slaves for gods, the Israelites rebuked those notions. They said that there is only one God, and that God created the universe because it was good to do so, and that God lovingly created us to share in the joy of bettering what currently is and bringing order to chaos. My name is Ben Laboot, and thank you for joining Stories of Symmetry, revealing beauty and purpose through another look at faith, the sacred, and the stories that unite us all. The version of Genesis that you heard today comes from the Shokin Bible, a translation by Dr. Everett Fox. If you enjoy this podcast, then don't hesitate to share it with the people in your life. Doing so is by far the best way that you can help this content grow and reach more people. Blogs, episodes, and more are available at storiesofsymmetry.com, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories of Symmetry. Finally, I'm excited to remind you that my book, Practical Advice for a Better World, will be available in mid-February from wherever it is that you get books. The next Stories of Symmetry episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, go with God, go in peace.